0: Welcome back to the podcast, boss man. How's my microphone? Your microphone is good. I want to point you and the audience over to Reddit, one of my favorite websites. And I want to talk about a subreddit today called Anti-Work, which has essentially recently gone viral. For those of you who don't know, Reddit is a website that is basically a bunch of forums based around topics and interests. And we absolutely love it. And it is sort of interesting to see these communities pop up and gain steam and things. So according to the sidebar at slash anti-work, anti-work is a subreddit for those who want to end work, are curious about ending work, want to get the most out of a work-free life, want more information on anti-work ideas, and want personal help with their own jobs or work-related struggles. And there are 1.7 million idlers, as they're called, uh, subscribers, members of the anti work community, as of the recording of this pod. And part of the reason I want to do this is um, it reminds me of a lot of times, you know, we d- have debates, friendly debates with the financial independence, retire early community, Ian. It's sort of like we start from the same premise, but somehow we end up in completely different places. So, curious about ending work, want to get the most out of a work free life. Hey, I can get down. Sign with me some up. Of this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, mean, <laughs> I feel like I should I belong here. Yes. 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 So all of this came to a head recently when a thread from friend of the show Nick Huber at Sweaty Startup, one of his tweets uh was reposted at Anti Work and it went to the top of the community. And the comments were uh shocking to me because Nick Huber is someone that I follow online for many years now. I think he's really smart, of course he's opinionated, but I love the way he thinks about business and work and work-life balance. And here he is getting absolutely eviscerated. And I think what shocked me is that how much anger and hatred there was about this particular thread. So I might as well read the opening tweet. My storage company has grown from six folks a year ago to 32 today. 18 of them are in the Philippines and make about $5 per hour. A short thread on how I source and utilize overseas talent." He goes on to say some of the things we've talked about for many years. Uh, Filipinos, they're uh, really good workers, they speak English, all this kind of stuff. So just for reference, some of the top comments, he boasts about it like he is proud of how he can get away with exploiting the poor and vulnerable to benefit himself what a horrible person white man proud of his evil in other news water is wet and so on there's a lot of just this kind of vitriolic unloading on this concept of outsourcing to the philippines in this case and anger towards the owners of companies so i thought it would be interesting ian for me and you to do a little topical breakdown
1: Yeah, this is a topic uh, near and dear to our businesses. Uh, A lot of people that listen to the show, uh, they also outsource in places like the Philippines. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting, Dan, for us to go in and kind of understand two sides of the arguments. Surely I think there's merit on both sides.
0: Let's get into it. Yeah. And let's start with some of the things we share. There's a lot of awesome posts on anti-work. I mean, there's uh, people who have completely automated their job. So like today, there's some guy that works at a law firm that essentially like, created some smart spreadsheet that he continues to get paid so like we're kind of celebrating that but we're demonizing certain things so i think it's fair to say that 1.7 million people don't all agree there's not like a cohesive necessarily philosophy here but i think there are some premises that we agree on with the anti-work community and in some ways ian you and i started remote working and visiting places like the philippines way back in the mid-aughts and Now it's only like a mainstream cultural discussion as of COVID. And I think it's similar with uh, what we realized about our careers back in the mid-aughts. And so some premises that I agree with is most jobs truly suck. It is truly difficult to make a living wage on some of the most common jobs in our society. And that's doubly true now with the corporatization of America, where more and more efficiency is driving wages down. And also, that same sort of efficiency and corporatization drives a lot of these very strange interactions with bosses and managers, like sort of the office space sort of parody where you feel like there's this sort of office talk instead of human talk in a lot of these jobs. With larger companies. Also, note
1: on the corporatization side, like uh, these corporations have become politicians essentially. So, like policy is essentially stemmed through and from these corporations, right? Makes it very difficult um, as an individual to thrive in that situation.
0: It's hard to feel seen in in Mm -hmm. these sorts of organizations. You are treated more or less like a robot. I think that theme's gonna come up again. It's worth mentioning too, that inflation is affecting this. Even if you got a 4% raise last year, you took an enormous hit in terms of your spending power in 2021.
1: Well, I was listening to uh, The Pomp Show the other day with uh, Michael Saylor, you recommended that, Dan,
0: to me. It's a great episode.
1: Yeah, I think it was interesting because when he's talking about inflation, it actually depends on like what your basket is, right? Like what your baskets of goods are that you're purchasing. And essentially the government like defines that for us, like, oh, you need eggs and meat and uh, whatever else, right? And those things have only gone up like 2 or 3%. But if you're wealthy, your asset classes may have gone up a lot more, like your basket may have gone up more. So poor stone 11s, lake houses,
0: Crypto. things like that. Crypto, yeah.
1: They might've gone up like 20, 30, 50%. So it totally depends what you're purchasing, but certainly
0: some inflation is happening now. Inflation seems to drive that rich-poor Divide um, if your primary basket, as you put it, is cash, you're having a real tough time. If you're diversified into assets, 2021 was an all time year for you. So, yeah, there's going to be anger on the streets because these negative emotions actually stem from people comparing themselves to those who are around them. And so When you see people have all-time highs and you're having trouble getting out of the grocery store for less than 250 bucks for a week's worth of groceries, um, that can really drive anger. A lot of these things are, we're using the words jobs and not careers. Automation is knocking on everyone's door. It's sort of a theme in, in many industries and this idea that you're going to sustainably be able to keep your job and get pay raises and pay off your student loans, Uh, seemingly increasingly unlikely.
1: Well, Dan, I mean, we talk about this like every day as we're building our uh, Dynamite Jobs app, you know, it's like, okay, what are we doing manually? What's really working and how can we automate that? It's a factor of efficiency. And a lot of times in our organization, like the people that are doing those things, they move on to doing higher level things, but that's not necessarily the case in these corporations. Like their objective is to drive down costs. It is to have lower overhead it is to figure out a way to kind of abolish everybody in the organization. Now it's not necessarily possible, but certainly that's some of the promise of software. You can be mad at the technology, you cannot implement the technology, but essentially if you're in that position where you're competing with other companies, like you have no choice if you wanna survive and have everybody make some money um, to do things like that.
0: It's an interesting like societal wide Context: Two things. First off, technology is deflationary. These aren't decisions that people are making. Like read "What Technology Wants" by Kevin Kelly. Yeah. Technology is in the driver's seat here for a lot of these things. Like we can pump the brakes a little bit with policy and make decisions and things, but technology is marching on. It is affecting our lives massively. I mean, Reddit didn't exist when I started my career, and neither did the ability to outsource knowledge work to the Philippines because we didn't have the technology to do it. Now we do.
1: Yeah, you also couldn't self organize and talk about topics like this. You had to like go down the street and like get a permit from City Hall and then like put up some posters and like have everybody rally. You couldn't like
0: self organize on the corner of Reddit. You know, I think the final piece here, Ian, is like the reality that so many people in our generation and the younger generations simply aren't going to do as well as their parents and grandparents did in the American economy there's like a mix of anger and perhaps like a lack of leadership about what the future will look like because the sorts of jobs that defined americana the sorts of jobs that political leaders use as ammunition the sort of job that you get once you keep for 15 years you progress through raises you don't compete on a daily basis for, against robots and outsource workers you make enough money to have a couple cars, maybe some toys, a house with a lawn, and multiple vacations a year, those sorts of jobs are disappearing. And they're disappearing because of technology and efficiency and globalization. So I think one of the interesting themes in the background of all this debate and vitriol is the global nature of our economy. I'll be very speculative here, One of the things that sets the context for Americana in the mid-20th century was essentially winning World War II. I think there's this idea that these sorts of jobs that like respect the individual and pay you really well and all kinds of things. On the one hand, you could say there was a time and place in America when we had that and we made that decision and we were we were better then. But what if like there was actually something else at play right there? For example, we were riding high on being the victors of World War II and essentially having a global imperial power. You notice that when you go to Europe sometimes, um, you see all these like wonderful social policies and, and nice government buildings and things. But then you got to ask yourself, like, well, was that just because they got together and made smart decisions? Or is that because they sent ships yeah. abroad to third world countries, to developing countries um, to take their wealth and to build their own? And you know, you and I have spent a lot of time in developing countries and talking to workers there and the attitude is different when you're on the come up versus the come down
1: yeah and i think that's really important to note dan which is uh there's a lot of people in america that are doing worse than they were doing before and they look at their parents trajectory and they look at theirs and they think this isn't as good and they're right when you look at it from a global perspective though like the amount of people that have uh, escaped poverty in the last 20 years, it's a great rate of people that are not in poverty now. Some people are gonna fall, some people are gonna come up. And I actually haven't looked at the number stand, but my guess is that more people are coming up than going down. And it's kind of this equalization thing. It's like, yeah, um, we're not doing as well as we were doing, but the people in the Philippines, the people in India, the people in these emerging countries, like they are doing much better than they were 50 years ago the question when i'm reading through a lot of these comments is like who's entitled to what and uh i think a lot of the people that are commenting in here you can tell who is actually working towards something and who is actually benefiting from a system that already existed and they're upset about it deteriorating so we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty of these comments but um, there's a lot of people in here chiming in from places like the philippines kind of explaining the arbitrage that's going on in this situation and also explaining how it's greatly benefited them. Now there's other people in here that are from the Philippines that are saying, hey, uh, we're doing something for $5 an hour that you guys uh, pay $15 an hour in America, it's not fair. We deserve the $15.
0: Equal pay for equal work kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing is the technology is such that like there is a lot of transparency around this now. This stuff was like shrouded in secrecy until just a couple of years ago, you know? Even like within organizations. Now you can like get on Glassdoor, now you can get on Reddit, now you can get on wherever you get on and you can understand what your coworkers are making and you can understand what people are making at similar companies. And you can also, if you feel like it, go work at one of those other companies and like do something about it for yourself. It's one of these things that like people have a lot more power, I think, now than they used to. Certainly, they have enough power to organize around this subreddit, you know, almost 2 million people.
0: If you need help getting control of your email inbox, this is for you. That's right. This episode is brought to you by the team at mailmanhq.com. It's a Gmail plugin that lets you decide when and what emails land in your inbox. Many of our listeners spend a huge portion of their days inside of their inbox. And if you're one of them, Pay close attention to the next 30 seconds see mailman allows you to set up your own emailing schedule on both your personal and work gmail accounts such that all incoming emails are collected and delivered to your inbox as per the schedule you set up that's in batches so nothing drops in between Now, what about those urgent emails? Don't worry. Mailman lets you configure your VIPs so their emails will land in your inbox immediately so you can respond and make progress in your business. And there's so much more too. So get a defender and an ally in your inbox. Get Mailman. Sign up for a free account over at mailmanhq.com slash tropical MBA. If you use that link and decide to upgrade to a paid plan, you'll get 30% off your first year via this link. So here it is again, MailmanHQ.com slash Tropical MBA. Thanks to the team at Mailman HQ for sponsoring the show. Go give them a try, give them a look, get ahead on your inbox. Again, that's MailmanHQ.com slash Tropical MBA. So I think what we've established, Ian, is that we're pretty sympathetic to the anti-work movement. We have a lot of the same founding premises maybe in 2007, 2008 timeframe, we'd say, hey, we're going to quit our jobs and start a lifestyle business because we don't want to be subjected to the poor outcomes and the poor treatment of what a lot of the American workforce sees. Um, But also we saw a changing tide in technology and globalization and a necessity to employ a new strategy to be able to achieve wealth and freedom in this new environment you know one of the problems with using policy as a protector is you might be protected for a while but then not really be exposed to the reality of the situation and that's called the turkey problem where the turkey thinks because it wakes up every morning that there's no thanksgiving coming right and so i think one of the things we did back when we started the pod was acknowledge these changes and try to make a difference. So what I want to do now is circle back to this Nick Huber thread where he says, again, my storage company has grown from six folks a year ago to 32 today. 18 of them are in the Philippines and make about $5 an hour, a short thread on how I source and utilize overseas talent. What I want to do is uh, distill the four key arguments that the anti-work community has levied against Nick. And then what I want to do is talk about our reactions to them some practical considerations on how people can improve their careers and their working lives based on this information. So the argument can be distilled, I think, roughly like this. The first part, Ian, is outsourcing is taking admin-level people out of decent pay and benefits for jobs in the United States. We hear this kind of argument from politicians all the time about honest factory work, which has been sent overseas. It's basically coming for the rest of us, right? What happened where I grew up, which is a manufacturing center, you could see that these jobs are going away. They're going to China, they're going to Mexico. And now you thought because you got a college degree and you wear a white collar to a desk, it wasn't going to happen to you. But as Taylor Pearson predicted in his book, The End of Jobs, 10 years ago, that if you think it's not coming for you too, and he's talking about white collar workers, what's your take on this argument?
1: A lot of times, these companies they don't have a choice. Like, if you want to stay competitive, you have to figure out a way um, to stay competitive. And if all, all your competitors are manufacturing in China, we went through this Dan in our last business. Like, you have to be manufacturing in China, or else you don't make a profit. You don't have a business. You don't pay your ten or twenty people. Whatever it is, like you cease to exist. And then all of the benefit of having that business, whether it's for the employees or the owners, disappears. So there's a certain level of you have to respond to the market. And if everyone is outsourcing uh, to the Philippines or places like that, like you have to figure out a way to write a script and some software to go to the Philippines, to convince people to do it for less, like whatever it is, like you will not be in business if you don't respond to your competitors. In a lot of ways, I'm like sympathetic to the companies here, because a lot of times you don't have choice. Then on like the person side, the employees, I'm also sympathetic to them because Essentially, um, they've opted into a script at a certain point of their life. A lot of times they took out a lot of loans to do that, to go to college, yeah. get an education. They were promised this opportunity to sit, to not compete, live their
0: life, to purchase. And the argument is decent. This kind of there's a decency yeah. to the idea that you can Use your education, go to a company, be treated well, and have your health care and your wage and live a good life.
1: And now that's getting yanked out from underneath them. And I think a lot of the reasons why that's happening is capitalism. For better or worse, Like it is this industrial complex. It's not necessarily evil people. It's not necessarily greedy people, although like I do think that the system kind of skews towards greed, but it is just a factor of the system. This is going to continue to happen. Tasks are going to continue to be automated. Software is going to continue to eat the world. Things are going to start to become even more efficient than they were before. So I think in a lot of ways, Dan, this is just like the tip of the argument, man. Like, uh, There's going to be a lot of people that don't have work in the future. And I think on a broader spectrum, looking to our governments, looking to our institutions, looking to our politicians, they're so far behind this stuff. Look at how far behind they are on like something like crypto you know, that they could benefit from immensely. Like there's hardly any policies in place. So to think that um your government or your politicians or whatnot are gonna like save you from this situation, it's not gonna happen. So
0: that's actually one of the tones of my like overall responses is like anti work's an awesome community, it seems like it's interesting content and things. But also don't get hung up that like this anti work thing's gonna save you. You wrote down this thing but it's like socialist in the streets, libertarian in the sheets. It's this idea that like yeah like I'm all on board with like making, like getting decent wages. Society's better. But like, man, when you get home, you got to hustle and like take care of yourself because the people on anti work rallying and the freaking petition you sign and the marching and stuff, that's not going to cut it for your family, for your destiny. So, we're going to get to that in our pragmatic steps at the end.
1: Which, by the way, Dan, like I want to point out because I feel like we have a lot of experience doing this and you can agree or disagree and listeners can. But that's like a very Chinese way of thinking about it, too. We had a guy that used to work for us and he was like our sourcing agent, man. And like he used to kind of tell us in China, it's like family first, like you go out for your own, but you're in this basically communist establishment. Right. But they operate uh, very entrepreneurial within that. And I think like, uh, that guy got rich, by the way. <laughs> He's probably <laughs> richer than me. <laughs> so that's one thing that happened is like, we used to pay him a fraction of the goods they got on containers and he had all kinds of handshake deals behind us going on or whatever. I think that that mentality is not just like an American mentality. I think that is a factor of capitalism. Like that is a way of thinking now that we have these processes in this complex in place.
0: Yeah. And I also think it's worth considering like, is capitalism a decision or is it a technology? And it's a little bit of both. So, okay. The first point outsourcing is punting admin level people out of decent pay and benefits for jobs in the U S and the truth is it is, it just is. Uh, I agree with that point. Number two, to sum up the arguments against Nick Huber is that this sort of behavior, outsourcing is exploiting workers in places like the Philippines.
1: Dan, you and I have spent like a ton of time in the Philippines. Um, You've lived there for extended periods of time. Um, I think you've seen like firsthand what companies like Nick's do when they get to the Philippines. And in your experience, like what have you seen when someone like Nick comes to the Philippines and employs 18 people?
0: It's incredibly life changing for the positive, is what I've seen. And I don't think I'm rose colored glasses. There are outsourcing jobs that suck. Like call center outbound sales jobs that you have to stay up all night that would be like a typical like really bad version but not so bad that people aren't willing to do it and work for commission and do sales and stuff so this is simply just not true um in my experience and what's remarkable about this thread in part is that nick's one of the good guys like nick runs a small cool business that gives people really good jobs like just because it's not you, or just because it's not 10,000 Americans or whatever, doesn't mean that these aren't good jobs.
1: Yeah, uh, being in the Philippines and places like it, uh, firsthand, a lot of times these companies, uh, American, European, uh, wherever they might be, come in, they hire people. On our scale, Dan, it's small. It's five to 50 people. On the corporate scale, it can be thousands. But a lot of times, they employ these people that are making a lot more than they could in the local economy, and so, For them, it becomes a big opportunity. I'm thinking about uh, the designer that we hired, Dan, in our first business. And uh, I was so happy, because she's kind of similar to our age, but uh, like two or three years ago, we were asking her if she wanted to do some more work for us, and she basically told us she was like, retired. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that is so cool, man. She got paid enough um, that like she retired and like she did it young and she has kids. And so that's probably not something that she could have done as she was getting paid in the local currency. For a lot of people, I think this can be like a huge push up. And again, like going back to my comments earlier, America might be getting taken down a peg. A lot of people might not be doing as well as they could have been able to do before, but a lot of people in other places are doing better. Another thing that I want to mention about like work ethic is like as an American, Dan, as I look around, you know, my peer group, the people on my street, the people that I see every day, like not a lot of them are willing to get on their hands, so to speak. And when I go to a place like the Philippines, I think it's important because like A lot of people in America, like they feel like they're owed this. And that's not necessarily the way that they feel in places like the Philippines.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about how strange it is in the Philippines where our designer was making maybe twice what she would have made if she had a medical degree at that time. Now things change and evolve. I think it's really fascinating how do you think the doctor feels in Manila that there's a web designer making twice as much. So these are the realities of how... Um, the new economy is emerging. It is interesting that our our sourcing agent and our ex-designer both uh, retire rich early, and they weren't that case when we met them. So I think that's worth pointing out. It's also worth pointing out that Nick Huber is wealthy too, and he created that wealth for himself and is now sharing it vis-a-vis his company to his employees. So part of the reason that this thread was so shocking to me is that there's people in the f- Philippines that will elect to work for you for $5 an hour, it must at least present itself as an incredible opportunity. I mean, now you can have staff for $5 an hour. What could you build with that sort of resource? And you could probably build something that's wonderful for the world if you saw it as an opportunity rather than an exploitation.
1: Tell you what, uh, both uh, people in the Philippines and people in America have in common, Dan, is that... um, a lot of times I think they're pointing their anger towards the wrong people. Um, they're pointing it towards people like Nick Huber, right? I think they should be mad or they should be directing their anger at their politicians and their policies in their countries. There's a potentially a problem where a doctor um, is earning half as much as a graphic designer. And there's a lot of reasons and they're complicated and I don't understand all of them. Certainly, both citizens of both of these countries, are, uh, it's pretty clear to me they're not getting helped
0: out by their governments. Speaking of seeing this kind of information as, a, as an opportunity, we did way back in 2010 and as a side project started a blog called outsourcetothephilippines.com. We even did a podcast along with it for a few weeks and we just kind of bailed on it six months later, but we sold it for five figures. So there you go. Instead of uh, complaining about this, if you just write articles that help people understand it, uh, you can make yourself some money easy peasy.
1: The final thing I want to say, Dan, is uh, I was listening to uh, Debt, uh, The First 5,000 Years. It was a really good book. And um, there's a lot of parallels between, I think, like, what's going on now in America and like, what's happened in history. And one of the things was like the cancellation of debt. And he goes into like great explanation in terms of like what debt is. It's amazing how complicated debt is. I just thought of it, it as like you loan somebody money, but there's like, a lot of social <laughs> aspects of debt. But anyways, one of the things that like came up was just like canceling debts and like why you would do it. There's this big debate going on in America right now with the Democrats in terms of like uh, canceling student debt. In past histories, canceling debt has been somewhat of a routine operation and it necessarily wasn't like politically charged. So I think we're in like this time right now where um, we don't understand a lot of history. Certainly I didn't before I read that book. And also like uh, everything is like politically charged and everything is like a sports team. Even this debate that we're reading right now about whether or not you should hire people in the Philippines and pay them $5 an hour, or $15 an hour. Like it's a sports team mentality. And I don't necessarily think it needs to
0: be so polarizing. So the, the first two points, we're getting rid of decent pay and benefits for jobs in the US. So we agree that's true. The second argument, it's exploiting workers in places like the Philippines, our experience says that's not true. Although I can understand why people would think that. It's sort of a classic thing. One of the things I wrote here is like, I would love to like just fly to the Philippines or to like Mexico City with some of the commenters and just talk to workers there, you know? (laughs) And just like, just just get a sense for like what we're really talking about. The the third argument can be summed up as there are certain qualifications you need for certain jobs. So there's like an element of, uh, entitlement here. So one commenter said, yeah, I'm an MBA that had my job outsourced to a Chinese PhD at $15,000 a year. F- you you know, basically he said, you. Um, and then another commenter said, hey, it's good for that Chinese PhD though. Not everything revolves around US workers. Other workers around the world should have job opportunities too
1: let's talk about uh how that person in china was able to get a phd what it cost them should a phd cost dan two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or whatever it costs in this country now uh it probably doesn't cost that much in china and that's a factor of uh of policy in a lot of different ways you know it's also a factor of the a lot of the um educational systems in america are privatized So when you get privatization of these organizations, the cost is gonna go up. You went and you got your education and it costs you 10 times as much as it did somebody else in another country. And also their cost of goods, their cost of living, et cetera, is less. So again, like where do you think that those jobs are gonna go? They're gonna go to the lower cost system. That's just the way it flows. It's not like one person makes all these decisions. It's like money
0: is efficient, right? It flows towards the least path of resistance now all of a sudden we're seeing this atomization of productivity of the corporation of the individual in other words people have more power than they ever did before in order to create wealth in the world but the double-edged sword of that now is you're competing with everybody too and so the same thing that happened to the company that did an outsource now is happening to the individual who wasn't aware of the fragility of their skill set or of their employment situation it's a double-edged sword the interesting thing is you're definitely more likely to get undercut in your career by an outsource worker much more likely than you were a generation ago but i also think hand in hand with that it's easier to go from zero to wealthy right now than it ever has been for an american in an american context 100 percent. it's easier to switch your social class in america than in most countries that's one of the nice things about america but right now we're seeing the escalator go both ways, and you basically have a choice to make.
1: I was gonna say also, Dan, it's easier uh, these days to learn and earn than it was before. Like before, you actually had to go to school; you had to like get some kind of degree, some kind of credential to be let into the system. Uh, now you simply need to open YouTube. You simply need to open one of these like learning sites, like MIT. A lot of that is free now, so. It's a lot easier to get an education and it's a lot cheaper than it's ever been. If you don't opt in to the script, to the institution, to the organization, to the privatization of education.
0: I just want to give a big thanks to all of you who listened to ads like this and went on over to dynamitejobs.com to see what we've got going on over there. Because of that, We've helped place hundreds of qualified remote professionals in your companies last year. And for this holiday season, many of you are gearing up your operation for continued growth in 2022. And to help you do it, we've got three exciting options for you to explore. The first is our entirely new hiring platform with a job post dashboard that allows you to repost and promote anytime. We've got a growing list of features there, including intelligent promotion options to help you get the maximum amount of applications. We've also got our done-for-you service. If you're sick of sorting, assessing, and interviewing, you can hire our senior recruiting staff to do the heavy lifting on your behalf. They are experienced at identifying trajectory, alignment, salary fit, and much more. And the best part is it's a flat fee. If you're hiring multiple times in 2022, we're offering bundles with steep discounts. Head on over to dynamitejobs.com and book a call to hear about that. And finally, we offer contract recruiting. That's right, a zero-risk hiring option if you don't really know about the long-term fit or if you're looking for a partner to help take care of the legalities of hiring contractors. We can do that for a monthly fee for the contractors that you bring on board. So let's grow together. If you're looking to grow your remote business, book a call with our team and find out today how Dynamite Jobs can help. You can find out about this and much more over at dynamitejobs.com slash recruiting final argument against uh, nick huber and his viral tweet storm it's not fair because generation z will never have anywhere near the quality of life of boomers it's not fair um i think that argument motivates a lot of the comments and i completely agree it's not fair and it never <laughs> was it's healthy to recognize that There isn't any paternal force out there, large company or government, that's going to hasten to make things fair for you. On the other hand, I gotta say, if you were starting a career from scratch and no education, would you want to start in 2022 or 2002?
1: 2022. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Every day, it gets easier and easier to like start a business to make money. Um, all these things that we talk about on this show become infinitely easier the more time goes on. Like, I'm I'm jealous of these guys that are getting to start businesses now. Like, they have so many more resources available to them. Uh, I think it's great. And when you talk about, like, fair, Dan, I, I think that... Also, a lot of this has to do with like a trajectory, right? Like America, like we always go up, up and to the right, up and to the right, like that's where we're headed. And as you know, like n- not every empire survives. In fact, like none of them do, they all fall at a certain point. So maybe this is the logical end, um, maybe it isn't, maybe it's just a blip, I don't know. But certainly there's gonna be some equalization. And I think like if we can look outside of ourselves, and we can look at the rising tide that's happening, like bringing a lot of people out of poverty. There's a lot of great things going on. Whereas in the past, there wasn't so much. There was probably even more disparity. So I think a lot of what's going on now is is probably good, although it's gonna hurt. Um, although like you grew up American and you thought everything was gonna get better, like it might not. You might have to change your attitude. You might have to change the ways that you do things. You might have to work a little bit harder. But I, I think in general though, Dan, this stuff is good. I also want to point out, um, this might be like a pretty cheap point, but everybody that's writing the comments in Reddit is like sent from my iPhone. (laughs) So like you bought that iPhone because people in China that make less money than you were able to make it for less and then you could spend your US dollar and be able to afford it. So I think that there's a lot of hypocrisy, I guess, in these comments here. Everybody watching their TV, everybody driving the car, like everybody is experiencing low cost, unequal wages throughout the day. And we're all participating in it. There's very few people that I've ever met that don't, you know, it's almost unavoidable.
0: Okay, I feel like we are incredibly sympathetic to anti-work, but we read all this threads about outsourcing and we decided that it was going to be the trend for our generation and we needed to get on board. And so a lot of the complaints in anti-work come from people who work at legacy organizations. So I think my first pragmatic tip would be there are plenty of people and organizations that understand these problems and are trying to adapt to them. The sorts of organizations that post jobs at Dynamite Jobs are just one example of a community that cares about this stuff and is doing something about it, so to speak, creating new sorts of careers, new ways to build organizations, new ways to value work. Like for example, We don't track time and we don't track location. How incredible is that? Remember these respectful fair jobs where you had to stand in a factory all day long and pack boxes. We don't ask our workers to be any place at any time. They can be wherever they want and do work that, you know, takes advantage of their creative skills. And there's a lot of companies doing that. So you're sort of asking for it if you work for these legacy industries and corporations. And companies.
1: It's pretty easy on a lot of these legacy corporations to do the corner office test, which is essentially like who has the best office in the building, like look out their window. If you like the view, then like try and get there. If you don't, then just get out of the organization entirely. In these legacy environments, like the corner office, like isn't that great most of the time. Got to ask yourself, like, what your trajectory is in the first place at these organizations. What we figured out early on in our career was like we didn't like the view from that corner office, so we're going to try and decide. To figure out to generate like our own concept of a good view
0: maybe this is patronizing but i did have this worry when i came away from this thread the first is i do think i understand the anger and so you know that's relatable that people are angry i'm worried that people would toss away some of their best creative years some of their most productive years on cultivating hatred for otherwise decent citizens like nick huber who's only doing good in the world and who by the way could educate them and help them completely change their lives nick huber's ideas are incredibly accessible that's what's the irony of this is like you don't have to have entitlement skills or privilege to execute on sweatystartup.com's ideas and go completely change your life and the lives of your families and of the workers that you can afford to employ and you're going to get firsthand knowledge that maybe you can't afford a premium salary in a premium country for every single functional area of your new company even if these anti-work leaders somehow get a bill passed or have some march or maybe they even get personally famous because they're the leaders of this community wealth will accumulate to those leaders it's just a it's another power and status hierarchy right and the thing the, the concern that i have about getting caught up in this particular one is that it could take your eye off the ball which is yeah like life isn't fair economies aren't fair but that doesn't mean that there isn't a tremendous amount of opportunity out there for you but no one's going to take it on on your behalf and or at least expecting someone to do so is not a great strategy for solving the problems that you have in your work life.
1: Yeah, Dan, there's a lot of questions around this one. Probably more than there are answers. Human nature comes into play here. It's like, uh, are we supposed to be working? Uh it's weird for me, Dan, because like I'm kind of the, I feel the best when I am working towards something, like whether it's a goal or something that's going on in the business, my propensity is to like work towards something. It's not to sit around and not work. And I do think it's like demoralizing when you're in a situation where you're not respected in your work. And so I understand a lot of this argument um, that people are throwing out there. Yeah. But I also think that you have to create your own reality, especially, especially if you're American, my gosh. (laughs) You have no excuse to not get up and get you some, because in this country, it's true. Like you can achieve basically anything you want. Like there's people, countless examples of people that have gone from zero to uh, millions and millions and millions if that's your goal. And maybe that's not your goal, but certainly if you're in America and you're complaining you need to get up and do something about it because there's a lot of countries that are on the list that you cannot do something about it. And certainly they have different circumstances. But in America, man, I think if you got a problem with this, like you can actually do something.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Our our good friend Noah Kagan was rewriting, uh, was working on his company handbook the other day. And one of his principles, their principles at AppSumo is immigrant mentality. (laughs) So it's interesting because I'm looking around the room. There's not like a ton of immigrants here. Like what's going on? And it's this idea of like yeah because people want to come to america and start from zero and go to one like that's the immigrant mentality hustling getting a good deal of being more efficient not starting with the presumption that you are entitled to nothing and that you've just been given an amazing opportunity just simply by the land that you live on and what i'm reading in a lot of this hatred is people feel like their entitlements are getting taken away. And I just have to ask the question, well, who entitled you to what? And uh, so maybe it's time for a little bit more immigrant mentality.